Greetings and salutations, everyone. Welcome back to the Royals Rundown Podcast. I am Jake Milham, joined by my unfearless co-host, Un- Jeremy Greco. Fearless? Does that mean I have a lot of fears? That means you have some fear, such some as the fears. Royals not making any any uh, major moves in Nashville, right? <laughs> I don't care if they make any major moves in Asheville as long as they make some this offseason. And uh, David Lesky in his newsletter today reassured me quite a bit. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. I did. Let me, let me, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm, I, I told you I was going to take the wheel out of your hands and I'm going to do it now. Jeremy, Not you also way. said you would have the Slack channel pulled up, ready to review all of the things you've linked to me and it's a lot everyone we haven't been on the show in a week there's a lot to talk about so david lesky said and if you're if you're not subscribed to his newsletter do it what do you do it it's Substack. go go do it it's free um he's got a paid version where he gives stuff away sometimes he gives away some baseball tickets so yeah, that's also dope. an option but it's it's free <laughs> anyway he's free. Gonna, I do want to touch on one more thing from yesterday regarding J.J. Piccolo's comments that they have $30 million to spend this winter. First, he did say they could go over that if the words he speaks matter to you. But second, as I noted on whatever the hell that social media site is called, I know you have trouble with that, Jacob. Yes. Uh, that what happens if he says they have $50 million to spend and they only spend $30 million? People are up at arms, and rightfully so. Now what happens if he says they have $30 million, but they spend 50 He's praised. And I think I think that's I think that's accurate. I think that uh, he goes on to say thirty million is a minimum of what he would expect the Royals to spend this offseason. And based on that logic, and I see no flaw with that logic, I think that's accurate. So I, I and I, I've already said you know that I think that based on the way he was talking in the initial post post season offseason press conference, yeah, yeah, press conference. I, that, that's the word I was probably looking for at some point. Um, that I thought that the Royals were actually going to be pretty aggressive and make a bunch of moves, and then they were like, eh, "We'll keep Josh Taylor." But we'll talk more <laughs> about that in a little bit. I think you you cannot stand, and yeah, we we will talk about Josh Taylor later on. But if if anyone can get a peek into our Slack channel for Royals review, everyone would know your disdain for Josh Taylor continuing to be on the forty man roster. Uh, yeah, I, it's the same damn thing as Ryan O'Hearn as Hunter Dozier. I do not have a problem with Josh Taylor. None of this is Josh Taylor's fault, just like it was never Ryan O'Hearn's fault, just like it was never Hunter Dozier's fault. This is a failure by the front office to make decisions that make any kind of sense. Okay, okay. I think, and I, I do want to talk about the moves that we have seen since the last time we recorded. Um, of course, there's plenty of plenty of transactions that have happened between now and then. We only want to touch on the major ones that affect the major league roster as for right yeah. now. So first off, Jeremy, um, while we were recording last Wednesday is when the Royals decided, like, that's an hour and a half window out of the yeah. week, right? Yeah. And you know what? I don't know who is tapping into my computer over here. I mean, I'm sure... The Royals front office wants to know what I'm writing about, what I'm talking about in regards to the team at all times. But they decided, hey, now we're going to announce the signing of Garrett Hampson, the uh, utility man, a toolsy infielder with a good glove and the ability to get on base and speed. He he plays the outfield, too. Oh, yes. Sorry. Uh, The outfield as well. Listen, plays all over the place. Some people uh, in Royals Twitter... Are, are theorizing that Kyle Isbell and Drew Waters are the most likely to lose playing time to him. I'm not convinced of that myself, but it is important to recognize his ability to play the outfield, as some people think that's where he will spend the majority of his time. That that would be very interesting, um, and I think that his signing does have some ramifications for the rest of the offseason, more so than the actual in-season results he may give. Um, Jeremy, I would like to just in 30 seconds, give us your thoughts on signing, not just Hampson, but a player like Hampson. So it's one of those signings that in a vacuum, it doesn't move a needle. It's just there. Uh, $2 million is not a lot. Even for the Royals, it's not a lot of money. Um, speedy utility guy is depth is something that's fine to have. The issue is the Royals of the situation they're in. As I talked at length, about during the season 
and not as much recently, but uh, I, I haven't stopped thinking it. The Royals' problem isn't a lack of Major League talent. It's a lack of high-end Major League talent. They've got a bunch of Garrett Hampsons on the roster already. They've mm-hmm. got Nick Lofton. They've got Samad Taylor. They've got Michael Garcia. They've got Michael Massey. They've got Drew Waters. They've got lots of guys who can play multiple positions. Uh, they've got Nick Prado, who plays first and the outfield. Mm-hmm. They've got multiple guys. Who, uh, Devin Mann. I, I can't stop yeah. thinking of the ball. Uh, <laughs> but they've got a lot of guys who can play multiple positions who are not making a lot of money. They didn't. I, the, my problem with this plan, this this signing, is that they didn't need another one. I do. I do not understand what the thought process is. I I completely agree, and I think that I don't know if we're going to see the ultimate meaning behind the signing until well past opening day until we see how much playing time he actually gets i get it if you look at his 2023 numbers hampson was actually fairly strong he had a but that is kind of the outlier season for him like he's he's 29 yeah your breakout season at 29 does not portend excellent future results no, it it does not. I'm I am hopeful though that this is more of a move to give the Royals an insurance policy to allow them to be able to move a player like Nick Lofton, to move a player like Samad Taylor. Um I think a lot of folks are forgetting about Tyler Tolbert in in this whole equation. He is another center fielder, middle infield type of guy who the Royals have who may have some value. I'm not saying that they have immense value, but as the Royals showed us today, and here's my segue, the Royals showed, showed us today, even Dylan Coleman has trade value. <laughs> and they opened up a 40-man roster spot by trading Dylan Coleman down to the Houston Astros in exchange for Carlos Mateo, a right-handed pitcher. Um, Jeremy, I, I saw that face. I heard that groan. I want to, I want to hear your thoughts, man. What you got? So the Royals, I think reasonably, I think laudably wanted, uh, a 40 man roster spot so that they could participate in this year's rule five draft. Mm-hmm. Um, I think David, Le- I'm, apparently it's quote David Lesky day. He, <laughs> he said it best, but it's, I mean, it's not, he's not the only one who's had this thought, but he said it best that it's an opportunity for free talent. Yeah, you know it's it's a draft. You go get a guy. You and now you got a guy. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't have to sign him to a major league deal. You didn't have to. You didn't have to trade anybody for him. You just got a new guy. Maybe he's good. Maybe he's Joaquin Soria. Maybe he's the first couple of years of Brad Keller. I, you don't know. Um, you know, maybe he's he's uh what what's his face Birch. And, oh and, yeah, and just he's not good. But you never know. You might as well try. It doesn't yeah. cost anything. It costs 50K, which is, if 2 million is nothing to the Royals, what is 50K? Yeah. Um, nothing. Dropping yeah. the bucket. So, so, yeah. Cool. Rule, rule 5 pick. And they, we'll talk about him in a second. Pretty good Rule 5 pick. I'm excited about yeah. it. But, uh, so it's kind of like they traded Dylan Coleman for a lottery pick and the guy that they got in the Rule 5 draft. That's kind of how you can think about it. It's probably how the Royals want you to think about it. Mm-hmm. But I'm here to tell you that they traded Dylan Coleman for Josh Taylor. Oh, my gosh. Yes. They traded Dylan Coleman for Josh Taylor. They traded Dylan Coleman for Garrett Hampson. These are other guys that are taking up 40-man roster spots that meant that they had to get rid of Coleman in order to f- to free up a 40-man roster spot. And this is what I'm talking about when people are like, well, I don't care if they bring back uh, Josh Taylor at $1 million. It's a roster spot that can't go to anybody else unless they yeah. cut him. And they're not going to cut him for the 40-man or for the Rule 5 draft when they just signed him. Right. If they, so, if they really yeah. wanted to use him. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Please I, I just so yeah. Do you want Dylan Coleman for a top thirty prospect out of the Yankees system and a, a lottery ticket out of the Astro system? Yes, but you could have had him and those guys if you would have got rid of Josh Taylor. Okay, I I think that's an absolutely fair way to way to look at it, and I do want to I want to clear the air on this. Carlos Mateo, the return on this is is far from even a 
what's the word an optimistic lottery pick or lottery ticket excuse me um he he was strong in the dominican summer league back in 2022 um but he did not look very good in the complex league granted he's still 19 years old so we'll see what happens there um i i was surprised when because for your dislike of josh taylor which i'm not saying is completely dislike josh taylor I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, no. But he's kind of, he's kind of the new whip, whipping. I just like his court. roster spot. There you go. That's the just like how it was with Ryan O'Hearn, how it was with Hunter Dozier. We we see them as roadblocks to to better talent, right? Yep. Is that yeah. is that correct? Yeah. And I was looking at this, and Dylan Coleman and Josh Taylor had some similar playing time in 2023. Surprisingly, Coleman had 23 games. Taylor had 17. And someone played time at the major league level. Yes, at the major league. Thank you very much. I will say I was not surprised that Coleman was the player that they chose to move. I will and say that. I I should clarify that there's really absolutely no reason for me to be this worked up about it because chances are very high that Josh Taylor still gets cut this offseason. And then you go, <laughs> yes. well, you you gave up him and Coleman, and, and that's just how it had to be. Um, because the Royals can't be aggressive. They can't spend $30 million on free agents or trade acquisitions if they don't get some guy, kick some more guys off the roster. Right. And I think that this was – I'm focusing more on the, you know, they saw that they could trade Dylan Coleman for a – you know, the Yankees 25th ranked prospect, according to MLB pipeline and another young pitcher that they can maybe develop. It's when I'm looking at Coleman and Taylor side by side, I I hate to say it, but Taylor still did provide more to the Royals in winning than Coleman did. It's it. It's sad, but true. Sad. But is true. it though? It, it is Taylor. Col- the, the, my point in pointing out that they had similar major league time, is that Taylor didn't pitch in the minor leagues because yeah, he wasn't yes. hurt. And he was he didn't pitch at all in 2022 because he was hurt. Mm-hmm. You can't count on him to make your roster. Dylan Coleman was at least healthy. Right, but he was he was also a guy who they had to bring up twice in the in the season and both times he did not show any signs of improvement. He did not show any signs even though the Royals had open bullpen spots. This was at a time in the season where injuries and post-trades, Dylan Coleman came came up to supplant those players, and he still could not stick in the Major League bullpen. And that was frustrating, especially after seeing his, you know, he was really good in 2022. He was, I wouldn't say great, but he surprised everyone. He pitched in 68 games, and he was solid. In most of those 68 games, that is what the Royals bullpen needs to be built around is this young, controllable bullpen talent. But Coleman came out and more often than not, he was a liability coming out of the bullpen, even if the stuff is really good. And I don't think that it's fair for some Royals fans to go and say, hey, why why didn't we hold on Coleman? You know, maybe he's got maybe he's can turn a corner maybe he can you know show his stuff and reclaim his former form i'm sorry what do you want to what do you want the front office to do do you want, want him to hold on cut josh taylor <laughs> do you want them to hold dylan, on go ahead speaking of young dylan uh, young and controllable dylan coleman had two options left he was pre-arbed for another two years they had to pay arb money to josh taylor this year you want to be young and yeah. controllable. He's he's 27, so he's not that young anymore. But he was controllable. Did did they have to pay our money? I thought that they yeah. I thought that no, their that deal the came deal. in they, below. They avoided arbitration with Josh oh, Taylor okay. by okay. giving him one million dollars. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I mean, yes. it's not a lot of money, but it, it he's in his arb years. Right. And he's 30. Well, he maybe they're one now. Maybe they also saw that at least they could get something for Coleman in return for losing Coleman instead of Taylor. I I don't know. I well, you I can will still cut Taylor and then also trade Coleman. Yes, if you really I think 
I think we both are getting too too hinged yeah, upon yeah, Josh Taylor is, here. It's it's a it's a bit much. It is. I think Josh. Sorry, Josh is, Taylor. I'm sorry, yeah. Josh Taylor's mom. Whoever else, I don't know. I'm sorry, Josh Taylor's agent. I hope you're having a great winter. <laughs> I'm sorry to his agent. His agent <laughs> just got him one million guaranteed. His agent is like, I am, I am amazing at my job. <laughs> oh man! But listen, that was those two moves were really the only major concrete things to happen out well, of the winter meetings. Well, other than the Rule Five draft, of course, and the right. draft lottery, but. We would be remiss. <laughs> I almost we, forgot the draft lottery. I know, right? Oh, yeah. That's I wish be I had. <laughs> I think most folks have already uh, repressed that memory. But before we continue talking about baseball stuff, we got to hear from our listeners, Jeremy. Oh, right. Yeah. I see this. I, I told you. <laughs> no, no, it's fine, dude. So on the on the last episode, we asked you, the listeners, we have talked about music a lot on this podcast, you know, throughout. We, we talk about movies and TV shows m- more often than not. But, you know, we talk about music every now and then as well. So I asked the listeners, what is your favorite type of music? And we got a few responses. Luke 57 said, I'm boring and only listen to 90s country. Luke, I... Hey, to each your own, and I don't think there's anything wrong with 90s country. There's some songs that are better than others, but that's all with that. Uh, country um, has been my main genre at times in my life. I'm I'm lean more towards 2000s country if I have to go to a, a genre uh, or a decade, I mean. There's 2000s country artists I'll listen to, and there are others that I don't have time for. Fair enough. Um, Ginger six twenty said, according to Spotify, it's Slayer or Hell Ripper, with everything else being a distant third place. Ginger, I will say that a Hell Ripper is a far left turn from nineties country. So, yeah. <laughs> and then also, good friend of the podcast Lux said, my most played artist this year was an anime style art pop band. The rest was punk and metalcore. Lux, I uh, I kind of agree with you there. That's a that's a good three. If uh, if I had to choose any, Jeremy, what's your? Uh, do you do Spotify or Apple Music? I do Google Play Music. Oh. I do YouTube Music. Who do you think was your most listened to artist this year? Uh, you know, I don't listen to a lot of standalone music. Okay. Um, it just. I don't know. I used to when I when I had a commute, then I discovered yeah, yeah. audiobooks. It's just not I listen to a lot of music during things and I, I appreciate a lot of music. Uh but like the probably so I guess my most listened to genre would be uh JRPG soundtracks. Okay. Um, <laughs> my favorite uh if I was pressed my favorite non video game genre would actually probably be K pop. Okay. And we we were talking about K-pop just on the last podcast. Exactly. Well. And you're like, uh, K-pop. And I'm like, wait, 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 K-pop. We're talking K-pop now. What? But I didn't know we could talk K-pop. Why is this a baseball <laughs> podcast when it could be a K-pop podcast? Co- co- what? Cob, I don't cob, know. Pe- podcast. Podcast. <laughs> oh my so that, That's the name of our soon to soon to arrive K-pop podcast. Is just. Call it Cod Past, and everyone will be like, "What is wrong with you? You you almost stuck the landing there, Jeremy. It yeah. was you were you were descending, and you just kind of kind of stumbled on the on Simone the way down Biles, there. I am not. Oof, that is that is true. Um, she is she is much more graceful than the Chiefs were in Lambeau Field. I will say that. <laughs> What's your favorite uh, genre there, Mr. Milham? It, it it has to be just in general country. I will say right, um, yeah. I'm getting more into the they I've heard so many different names for it. I don't like indie music. I do like Americana music. OK, I will say um, more, you know, just straightforward traditional country in a sense with some um, more realistic messages. I think. More often than not, I can relate to um, lyrics a lot more than a style of music. Like I've been, I've been listening to a lot more of Linkin Park's more um, emotional songs as of late. Sure. For some reason, it's just kind of been a been a little trip down memory lane. I do, I do like me some 
emo pop. Uh, yeah, some, some Fallout Boy, some Panic at the Disco. There was some. There was some um, metal. I think it was. I think it's called Baby Metal. That, yeah, 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 yeah. That I was introducing Honey to, and she was so confused. Yeah, I bet she was <laughs> having these girls dancing up on stage with the metal music going on in the background. But hey, it's uh, it's a super popular. Uh, I'm gonna give you my favorite country artist, and I'm gonna read your face to see how okay. this goes. I'm, Are I'm you just ready? Stare right. at the camera, then. Brad Paisley. I actually, re- I know. Yeah, he's the guy that drew the draft pick yesterday. So that's that's how I'm gonna segue into that completely unintentionally. Because really, Brad Paisley legitimately is one of my favorite. He's so good with the guitar. Yeah, great. And great with guitar. Uh, not so good with the with the with the lottery picking, no. but uh, yeah. So so Royals Royals got basically the worst draft pick they could have gotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and let's uh, Jeremy. I, I'll get your thoughts here in a second, but let's go ahead. If you've been living under a rock, the Royals were awarded the sixth overall pick in next year's draft now that might not sound too bad but when you look at the fact that the royals finished the 2023 season with the second worst record in baseball and were tied with two other teams for the best odds of getting the number one overall pick falling down to sixth means a lot it is very bad this was the worst case scenario for the royals heading into the 2024 draft lottery there is, I will say, I think a detail that I'm glad Max Reaper, our editor over at Royals Review, put into his article is saying that the um, there's a lot of new rules regarding this draft lottery. If I'm understanding correctly, technically, the Washington Nationals actually were yep. like won the first overall pick. However, due to the new rules, they could not pick higher. Um, than a certain slot, so they, they did not. Also, go ahead. They were second. All they they were the first draw. Then they redrew, got the Guardians, and then they drew for the second pick and got the Nationals again. Oof! Yeah, the Nationals are currently picking tenth, in according to those rules. Um, yeah, I think truthfully, Jeremy, I will say this: I don't think a lot of folks would be. I think people would still rightfully be mad about the Royals picking number six. I mm-hmm. think the fact that the Guardians yeah. are picking number one yeah. after having a solid year, that is what is pissing off the fan base. And, Jeremy, and it, give it, my thoughts. Go go with it, man. The, the White Sox are picking fifth. So two teams that finished above the Royals are in, the, in their own division are picking ahead of them. Um, and, and the sixth, like, for this draft, the sixth pick as far as, like, the talent available fine whatever the problems with the sixth pick are that by the time the royals got the sixth pick the worst pick that they could get was seventh so they only the dra- the lottery only got them one spot up and the worst pick before the, dra- the the draft even started was eighth so they they moved up two spots but as you said they they were tied for the best odds to get first and not getting first not only you know means five guys get pulled off the board before they get to choose but it means they get less money to spend on their draft picks, which makes it harder to draft uh, the whole class. Because as the Royals like to do, they like to underslot guys, even in the first round. Hey, knock that off. Uh, She's very unhappy about all this. Uh, They like to underslot guys and then spend the money on the other guys. And, And if you don't have the money, you can't do that. Um, so that's, that's a problem. And the other thing is that because the sixth pick is the last pick of the lottery, Mm -hmm. so they, they pick the lottery up through the sixth and then from there on, it goes by record, uh, which is why the Royals, the worst they could get was eighth was if six teams that were not the A's or the Royals got lotteries, then it would have gone A's Royals. Yep. Uh, so by being sixth, what that means is that if next year they get in the top six, they cannot be in the top six in 2025 because of the way the draft rules work. Right. Uh, now, uh, 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 quoting Lesky again, 
from his article. Maybe it's not <laughs> something to get too worked up about because if the Royals are still looking to try and pick in the top six uh, in the middle of, uh, so 2024 draft is next. 2025 draft, they can still draft high. If they're still looking to pick high in the 2026 draft, then what are they doing? What, exactly. Yeah. So so hopefully it's it's not going to matter. They're just going to be like, well, it's fine. We're we've got guys. We'll just fill in with whatever draft pick we get. But uh, yeah. So that that's why it's frustrating. Is it's just like the worst. It's it's the worst case scenario as far as like how far back they could get and how it affects you know, future drafts. Because if they pick seventh, which would be almost the worst case scenario, or even eighth, uh, worst case scenario as far as picking this year and and as far as getting money to spend in the pool, they at least would not eliminate themselves from picking highly, you know, in the in the in, near in, in the, the future. future. Yeah. So um number one, while while we're plugging fellow Royals writers, um, I do think that Preston Farr came out with the most eloquent response last night following the really piss poor draft lottery results. Um, I think that I would be much more mad about this if there was a if there was a slam dunk a Paul Skeens. Yeah, like if there was a Paul Skeens or even a Dylan Cruz, I think that there was I think the top four players selected in twenty twenty three like would have probably been the top pick in 2024. Um, I will say this while we are talking, um, the New York Yankees and San Diego Padres are finally finalizing a trade regarding Juan Soto. Oh yeah. So that That, is, there was such a great article uh, headline on the fan graphs that I put in the, in the Slack chat. Uh, the Yankees acquire Juan Soto at home. So you've heard yeah. you've heard the the meme that's like, I want McDonald's. Mom says I got McDonald's at home, and then you show McDonald's at home, and it's like some knockoff thing, right? Yeah. Um, and, and they got Alex Verdugo. He's like, uh, they're like, ah, oh, he's knockoff Juan Soto. He's not Juan Soto, but somebody might say he is. So I guess they're getting Juan Soto and Juan Soto at home. Yeah, it is. Um, I was kind of hoping that them trading for Verdugo Verdugo, excuse me, was a hey, we're going to try to slide him into a Soto package, but they have not. So the San Diego Padres are sending Juan Soto and Trent Grisham as well to New York for Michael King, Drew Thorpe, Johnny Brito, Randy Vasquez, and Kyle Higashioka, I believe. Higashioka. Higashioka. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so a lot, a lot of players moved there. Um, that is Gashioka's, the and Michael King were both pretty good last year. Yeah, they were, they were very good, but I mean, those are the players you have to sacrifice when you're trying to acquire. I'm, I'm sorry. You're, you're kind of a hater. If you disagree, Juan Soto is on a hall of fame trajectory right now. All right. He's, I, I don't disagree. So I guess I'm not a hater. You, you, you are a hater, Jeremy. I, I saw that face. You you hate it, don't you? No, I don't hate it. I I don't understand. I need to know who the other guys are. I got. Um, I, I don't know who those guys are. Fair <laughs> so enough. I don't, Fair I don't enough. know what that means. <laughs> so yeah, that is a that is a big move. But hopefully, that big off season domino will lead to some other dominoes. Um, we yeah, are yeah. expecting a, for Shohei. Yeah, I mean, we're really waiting for. Shohei and Yamamoto to make their announcements, um, see where all that money is going. And then I think the kind of the next tier of talent will start moving around the league. Um, but hey, if, well, you're, if you're wondering why that is when there are so few teams who are in on Otani, I'm going to quote somebody else now or uh, paraphrase somebody else now. Craig okay. Calcaterra in his newsletter yeah. uh, talked about how, you know, the Dodgers are probably wanting Otani, one of the teams that want him. If they can't get him, well, now they're looking at J.D. Martinez and Yamamoto maybe. Mm-hmm. And, and and the Diamondbacks want Martinez, but Martinez isn't going to sign with them yet because maybe the Dodgers are going to offer him more money. And, and it just goes down and down and down and down like that. Yeah, and that's that's why for for those who don't understand why it's called a domino effect because it it truly is. You have a few guys at the very top who affect just dozens of other decisions around the league, um, and that's just how baseball is right now. It's 
it's frustrating, especially for a team well, like the, the Royals. Thing, the thing about, and this is the thing that differs MLB free agency from, say, the NFL free agency. I think NBA free agency is the same way, but I don't follow that one very much. So I can't mm-hmm. say that for sure. But NFL free agency says nobody signs until weeks after the season ends. Whereas MLB free agency says the day after the season ends, you can sign. Yeah. And so these guys, when you talk NFL free agency, you don't know what's going on until the day. And then everybody signs all at once because everybody's already made all their deals and you get all the news at once. And it's all very exciting Um, because all the dominoes have already fallen. You just didn't know it yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, With MLB, we have to wait and watch the dominoes fall individually. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Hey, let's go ahead. We we haven't even talked about the Rule 5 draft yet. Which yet. Is, well, we've hinted at it. We, we, we've hinted. We, we have hinted. We have teased our listeners for long enough. It's time to talk about the Rule 5 draft, which happened Wednesday night. That was kind of the closing, the swan song, if you will, of the MLB winter meetings down in Nashville, Tennessee. The last big thing that they had to handle that really most fans were tracking. Um, unlike the draft lottery, that goes by your record. So the Royals had the second pick, or they had the second slot, if you will, in the Rule 5 draft, and I think that they used it very wisely. They picked up right-handed pitcher Matt Sauer from the New York Yankees. He came in as the Yankees' number 25 prospect, according to MLB Pipeline. Um, Jeremy, you were you were talking about him a little bit earlier on, but just to you know, just to give a little bit of background on who he is to to the listeners, he's not going to come in and be a guy who is competing for a rotation spot within the season, within the first two months of the season or so. He does have some very good pitches. I will say his fastball is good. His slider is is making some good progress, and his changeup and curveball also come in as solid pitches. Um, health is a big concern. He was drafted all the way back in 2017, and yet he has not gotten, I don't think he's gotten, yeah, he hasn't gotten above double A just simply because of the lost 2020 season. Um, Tommy John, that'll, uh, that'll knock you out for a little while longer. If folks don't remember, he had a record setting game in 2022, and that is, I don't know. Maybe that's where some of his legend comes from, if you will. Oh, absolutely. But he he struck out seventeen guys in yep. less than a hundred pitches in a in a double A matchup. Granted, but that is still just crazy. I can't strike out seventeen guys in a single game in double A. I can't strike out one. <laughs> yeah, I, I like to think that I can strike out one. One guy who's just like so, so over eager for the meatballs I'm throwing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just overswings and misses. Yeah. Um, and I think that I'm very intrigued to see what he is post injury because a lot of his stuff, a lot of his scouting is still from his draft profile because even as a high schooler, he was touching 97 miles an hour, which is was like, hey, that's that's great for a high schooler, especially. Um, that has dropped significantly even before the elbow injury. Um, His control is solid, which helps make up for that. But I am curious if the Royals are going to try and keep him stretched out as a starter, which is what the Yankees organization did, or, hey, are we going to try and move him into a right-handed long relief role, if anything, maybe try to get some of that velocity back. He did make 16 starts last year and has made at least 15 in the past three seasons. So I'm hoping that the injury concerns are behind him, at least like the worst of the injury concerns, if you will. Jeremy, what are your thoughts on this selection and what it may or may not mean? Um, So the first thing that I find interesting, and this is something Max pointed out in our Slack, uh, is that he he's like a guy that people looked at and said, he's probably a good Rule 5 choice. Everybody should probably look at him. So we're so used to, I think, at this point, the Royals kind of like pulling stuff out of left field 
uh, and just being, and uh, it's not a reference to MJ Melendez. Um, <laughs> they, they're just doing weird things and being like, no, our scouting says this is a, like ever. It was not like the consensus number one guy, but he was, he was close to it. Yeah. Um, so seeing the Royals kind of go with the, the logic that everyone else has is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I also saw Lance Prozdowski was tweeting about him. Where did I see that? Uh, but uh, yeah, he said, so he says everything in his repertoire has averaged to above swing and miss zone rates around average, uh, high arm angle above average release. That sounds very pleasant to me. Yeah. I like the sound of that. Uh, I love a strikeout. I think strikeouts are the way to go. Uh, I know the Royals haven't always agreed with that. It seems like they're changing their tune a little <laughs> bit. So I'm good with that. I like that change. Um, I, I've heard from multiple people who are like, yeah, he's starting for now. He's probably a reliever long term. Um, if the Royals want to give him a chance to start, they don't have anybody else for the rotation right now. So maybe maybe some free agents will fix that for them but uh, or some trade acquisitions. But I, I'm not opposed to giving him a couple shots at the rotation. Maybe him as an opener see how it goes i don't know and then stretch him out yeah. from there uh it's he's 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 a guy who's got some talent who's young he, let's see what he can do yep there's uh there they certainly could have done worse um some other major news from the or quote unquote major we're grading on curve here guys <laughs> um other news from the rule five draft I was surprised that the Guardians, they kind of got out like bandits on the Rule 5 draft, but other teams had to pass on this guy. They got the Arizona Diamondbacks number five prospect in the Rule 5 draft. Yeah, a third baseman, a third baseman, excuse me, named Devison De Los Santos. So that was certainly the um, the biggest headline prospect, I guess, that was drafted. Um, he wasn't, obviously, he wasn't at the top for these front offices. But that is that is just fine. Now, for those of you who are unaware, there's also a minor league phase of the Rule Five Draft, um, which I, if I'm understanding correctly, teams just pay money to acquire the rights of yep. in of these Triple A players. Um, no, no roster regulations with these yeah. guys. So with the Rule Five, I think everybody knows at this point you have to keep them on the major league roster or offer them back. Exactly. Uh, with the minor league guys, you can put them anywhere in the system you want. Yep. So that is, I think that is a very interesting spot to look at building out a farm system. And the Royals did utilize that to the best of their ability. So a cool thing about this is once a team passes in the minor league rule five draft, they are done for the remainder of the draft. It doesn't like come back around to them. Like if, like for example, even how bad the Oakland athletics are, they said, no, nah, we don't want to pay money for, for minor league players. So they said, hey, I'm done. And they didn't get back up. Uh, the Royals made three selections here. Are they are they going to be great? No, probably not. They're, they were available in the minor league Rule 5 draft for a reason. Um, I'm going to look at those three players later on for a Kings of Kaufman piece. I bring that up, though, because of who the Royals lost in that series of events so the cincinnati reds picked up left-handed pitcher tj sikama the san diego padres picked up infielder clay dungan and then there was one other one the washington nationals they picked up right-handed pitcher wander arias so the royals lost out on three they lost excuse me three players from the minor league system, but they gained three back in the AAA phase. I don't think like that's a, I look at those names and I'm like, yeah, well, you know, like they, they kind of suck. They were doing, they had some moments, but the Royals have lost the Andrew Benintendi trade. <laughs> Eesh. Um, I mean, Hey, it's, are, is that wrong? <laughs> I thought they lost it the moment they like, not that there was any reason to keep him, but that that was all they could get back was a little disappointing for me. I got you. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Um, so yeah, that's the rule five draft is in the books. The thankfully the Royals didn't lose out on any of their major, like their top rule five draft eligible talents. Kept Tyler Tolbert kept Devin yeah. man. And I, I think those were the two big names that folks were, were keeping on. And I, love him or hate him i think he's kind of divisive amongst the prospect watchers and royals fan base 
CJ Alexander is still here. Um, he is a he's a quality depth guy that got a ringing how, endorsement from George Brett. I was going to say, how can you how can you doubt a guy that George Brett thinks is amazing? And like I I remember in spring training they were talking to George Brett on the broadcast, and I think CJ Alexander hit a homer while Brett was yeah. talking. It was just a chef's kiss moment. Um. Before we get on out of here, we would be remiss if we did not talk about some of the free agency rumblings surrounding the Kansas City Royals. Um, nothing. Hot I, I'm saying rumbling. To a simmer. Uh, yeah, the the hot stove has remained quite cool for the Royals. I mean, I think it's on. It, it, it's not on boiling over yet. Yeah, I and we kind of want it to boil. They're over. being listen. They're being tied to free agents. Last year, we had that article who was like, Brandon Nimmo, and everyone was like, no. Yeah. And then nothing. That was it. <laughs> and yeah, like the Royals are being tied to several, not just players. Um, I think the Tyler O'Neill trade link is very interesting. I would like to evaluate that one a little bit further because I don't know if adding Tyler O'Neill fixes the outfield. But I think it does something to the outfield. Fixes anything. The Royals, the Royals are too damaged for one player to fix fix anything. Even Juan Soto. <laughs> even Juan well, Soto. even no, Shohei. Even Soto, I don't think. I mean, Shohei Otani has proved that you can't fix a team with Oof. one player. Yeah, that's that's actually even one who is like not even a once in a lifetime, a once in the sports lifetime talent. Like yeah. you're going to, people are going to be like, well, Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth didn't hit like Shohei when he was pitching. He didn't pitch like Shohei either. No. Okay. Shohei is one of one in yeah. all of baseball history. Exactly. It is. I think that is without a doubt. That is definitely a, a debate that we can have later on in the off season. Cause I would love to get more of your thoughts on that later on. Um, couple of guys that they're being linked to in free agency, though, really high name starting pitchers, Eduardo Rodriguez. Yep. They were named amongst the final four teams for Rodriguez's services. Now, John Heyman is reporting that he has whittled that down to two teams that he is considering um, and that we should be expecting some news on Thursday. So I would I would love to see. Eduardo Rodriguez come to Kansas City, that would definitely be kind of the best realistic option that they could sign in starting yeah. free agency. Yeah, I mean they're not they were never gonna get a Sonny Gray or an yeah. Aaron Nola. But uh, uh an Eduardo Rodriguez is is not uh he's not a oh gosh, I forgot his dang name again. The guy that they signed last year that we can't it's Jordan him. Lyles. Jordan Lyles. You, you forget you forget about his name so often. I, I, I just am trying to stop remembering that he pitches <laughs> for the team. Uh he's not a Jordan Lyles. He's he's a legitimate third third man in a rotation, maybe even a second man in a rotation. Yeah. Um so yeah, that's that would be a that would be an exciting signing for Royals fans. I mean the Yankees fans are like, well, I'm supposed to do with Eduardo <laughs> Rodriguez. He's supposed to go get me second Garrett Cole. Um, but yeah, so for Royals, it would be exciting. I'm excited for the possibility. It would. And I think that, I think that, you know, he really values quality of life when it, when it comes to his baseball career, um, can buy him a house. Yeah. Royals can buy him a, a house and some peace because I remember him declining that trade to the Los Angeles Dodgers, you know, citing his family. I just, might've been making a reference before your time. I, you, we were, you were trying to keep Johnny Damon. Uh, they bought him a house. Oh, really? They were like, they were like, here, here's a house. You know, you live here now. You what? stay, right? You're good, right? And oh. he was like, I sell the house. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> good job, Royals. Yeah, that that sounds like a like a great front office blunder right there. Um, another guy that they were linked to, Lucas Giolito. I yep. am I'm happy to hear so about that. A lot of people are very excited about that. He's he's an excellent break bounce back candidate. Yeah, he is. He is. And, you know, he has started, I want to say, like the last three seasons, he's made at least 30 starts. If I'm if I'm remembering that correctly. Listen, he's he's not going to be an ace. He's not going to come in and be, you know, just I mean, the top be, guy. Probably not. What do you say? He might be. He has he been. 
Probably not, but he might be. <laughs> Maybe. Which is more than you can say for Jordan Lyles. Oh, yes. Josh Taylor. Anyone else you want to throw in there? Your mom. Jeremy, my mom's dead. Well, she's not a very good pitcher then, is she? Oh, my gosh! Oh, my God! Why are you like this? I I ask that question on a daily basis. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, there's there's not a lot of solid moves that the Royals have made so far. Frankly, there's not a lot of solid moves that have been made around the league so far. Shohei Otani. Yep. We're we're waiting on the dominoes, and like you said, David Lesky and guys, uh, Craig Brown also brought it up in his Substack. The biggest moves in Royals history, i.e., the Zach Greinke trade, the James Shields trade, things like that, they were they happened after the winter meetings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there, there's something to be said. Royals fans should not be you know, going out in the front yard and stripping naked and crying to the moon that their team has not made a free agency move. Don't don't ever do that. Just <laughs> as a general rule, don't do that. Even not in it's the winter? It's never necessary. It's never helpful. No, no, it's not. I find it very never. therapeutic when I do it every night. And I'm, I'm, we're asking what's wrong with me. <laughs> right now i just had to had to stoop lower man that's that that's how that goes that's what we can always count on you for jacob (laughs) going lower you go low i'll go lower that's how it goes hey if if you want to see us at our lowest though you got to find us on social media um you can find the podcast on x at royal rundown pod that is r-o-y-a-l-r-u-n-d-o-w-n-p-o-d um, you know where to find us on socials as well. I will say this, though. Royals Review is on Blue Sky. Uh, the, the one and only Max Reaper. So are we. I mean, we we are, but I haven't gotten on Blue Sky in a long time. I, I wrote a Blue Sky post this morning. <gasps> I'm more of a Threads guy now. I'm sorry. I know. Why do I talk to you? I don't understand this. But I'm sorry. Blue Sky has taken so long. To move along, you know what I mean. I, I'm, I'm no more Facebook products for me. Thanks. Okay, fair enough. Actually, listen, they already have all of my data. Why not just give them a little bit more? It's just how it goes. Well, well, welcome to life, Jeremy. No, thank you. I would <laughs> like a return, please. <laughs> Can I have a refund? Nope, no, no refunds on life uh, right here. Curse you. Hey, listen, if you want if you want a refund, I don't know like how that really works. I don't know who you can talk to about it either. Do do you just go to Walmart? Jeff Bezos probably knows. Probably so. All right. Hey, before we get too in the weeds on the meaning of life and have an existential crisis, why don't we go ahead, go ahead with some Royals review reviews? Wait, I'm going to interrupt you and I'm going oh, to grab the steering wheel again. All right. Oh, no, you're doing before we again. get to the Royals review reviews. Before it was, I want to know, huh? What did I forget? You didn't forget anything. Okay, I I came up with this, and I just was waiting for the opportune moment, and apparently it it went right past me, like I'm Jack Sparrow. So I'm 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 throwing out a fishing line, and I'm yanking it back. All right, here we go. Heck yeah, one move that the Royals make, you got to bet. This is real money, but if I put a gun to your head and I said you got to bet a hundred dollars, okay, what move? Do the Royals make? Give me a prediction. Now. They one guy they get, one guy they get rid of. Uh, either of those. One Major guy they get or get rid of? Yeah. Or both if you want, if you're feeling frisky. Um, I think they trade MJ Melendez. Damn it, that was mine. I have bamboozled you, Jeremy. You have you've you've gotten rid of me. I'm I'm gonna all right. I'm going to, you took my bet, so I'm going to go high risk, high reward. Okay. Right, ready? Yep. They're bringing Eduardo Rodriguez. He's coming. Okay. That that would be a big bet. I will say that. Fangraphs I'm, I'm predicts. Fangraphs says that he is worth, not predicts, he is worth a four-year, $76 million contract. 
Now that's not in the nine digits that Royals fans want to see, but that is still, I think that would come out to be the richest free agent contract in franchise history. Just barely. Just barely. Just ahead of Alex Gordon. Yes. Just barely. Remember Ian Kennedy? He got 472. Yes. Remember Ian Kennedy, that fever dream? Four years, $56 million. <laughs> he was, I, I'm still ticked because he was so good before he got hurt. In, yeah. I think it was the second season. He was so good. And then just everything fell apart from there. I was ready to become a, an Ian Kennedy fan. I was ready to become a Dayton Moore believer. I was, I was, I was ready, and and it all fell apart. Yep. And I will just to channel my perspective radio show host self as I fluff my jacket. The Royals need need to make a a high risk high reward move like that to, to I, keep neither of us, and I, I guess I kind of kind of eliminated this with the way I described it but neither of us picked Bobby Witt to be extended yeah I because Eduardo <sighs> Rodriguez is a less risky bet than that right now I think yes. <laughs> very true very true I I think we should talk about the Bobby Witt Jr. extension stuff next week because there's there hasn't been a whole lot of news, but I think we've let that update simmer a little bit more, and we can evaluate what J.J. Piccolo and Matt Quattrero have said from the winter meetings. I'm still holding out hope, but we shall see. Jeremy, let's go ahead and get to reviews before we get on out of here, huh? All right, I'll let us, I'll let us do it this time. What, what, what you got, man? Uh, I don't, I haven't done a lot recently. Okay. Um, been kind of a quiet week. Stuff. So I'm going to give you... This is kind of a, this is, I feel like this is a cheap move. I'm going to give you H-Bomber guy and okay. his his video that he just posted earlier this week that's um, just kind of all over social media right now. Uh, Polygon wrote an article today oh. that was like, hey, this video exists. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, okay, so it's reached that level of popularity where we're just going <laughs> to write an article that's like, hey, it exists. We acknowledge its existence. Um. And it's it's called uh, plagiarism and YouTube, um, and it's he, he talks about the problems of plagiarism on YouTube, um, how people just rip other people off. They just go like steal their videos, their whole videos, and just copy their uh, their what's the word their uh monologues like over they do especially happens with video essays they'll just rip the video and then they'll take their words and re-record them in their own voice sometimes not even changing them sometimes changing them a little bit and then post it as their own um and they also rip off articles um it's just it's just nasty nasty stuff and there was one well, I, I don't want to say too much about it because there's a really it's a four hour long video. So, oh, my goodness. Buckle in. But uh, about halfway through, there's kind of a twist um, that was kind of interesting. I hadn't ever really t- I hadn't heard of the people that um, he talked about as plagiarizers in that video, but they're pretty big channels, some of them. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if you. Jacob or you, the listener, have heard of one or more of these people before. Um, so it's uh, it, it's it's interesting. It's also, I mean, so he talks about specific people, but he also talks about the general idea of like why is plagiarism bad, mm-hmm. and and he he doesn't really have a solution for it because the, the only obvious solution is to kind of mimic YouTube's copyright system for plagiarism but we all know that we can't trust youtube's copyright system yep. exactly. um, i don't know if you've ever done any youtube video shenanigans jacob but i sure have mm-hmm. and youtube does not understand fair use nope. and a lot of the not. people who use the youtube plagi- uh, uh, copyright stuff don't understand fair use and it's a giant mess so yeah you don't want to put youtube in charge of it but so basically uh, you kind of have to publicly shame these people which is what h bomber guy did um so it's it's, again it's h bomber guy and it's called uh plagiarism and youtube um so check that out if you want four hours of thinking about plagiarism (laughs) 
And I think that is definitely something that we can all learn about. I will say being being a writer, um, Jeremy, I mean, you do recall, I think it was like late last week, we we all found that site. I think it was like the fan yeah. reacts mm-hmm. like there are there are sites out there who will who will take our writings and just republish them with plug it into an ai and yep. then publish the gobbledygook that comes out yeah the, and, and youtube youtubers are starting to do the same thing yeah um it's it's kind of disappointing um it's it, honestly the one really nice thing about watching the video is i don't know about you but i've spent a lot of my life as a sports writer especially worrying about doing a plagiarism like, yeah. hey, I I read David Lesky, I read Craig Brown, I read everybody else at Royals Review, I read your stuff, and I'm like, I don't want to do a plagiarism. I wanna, I I need the sports write, but I also need to read other sports writers. How do I not do a plagiarism? And the answer I kind of discovered through watching the video is that for me, as a person who desperately wants to share my opinions, um, and explain them and and talk about them and why I believe them, it would be harder for me to do a plagiarism. Than, than to not, because yeah. to do a plagiarism is to take someone else's ideas, and I, I'm really just, I don't need to go through all this, but I'm doing it anyways. Take <laughs> someone else's ideas, present them as your own, and and and, and then say nothing else. Add mm-hmm. nothing to the conversation, and that's a plagiarism. And, and that just seems boring. That just seems lame. It I is. don't understand how these people, like, how can you just take someone else's words and then record... Sometimes multiple hours of video essay that's someone else's words and then just not, not, you know, add your own thoughts even a little. And, and how do you look at someone that you really enjoy? Because obviously you really like their stuff if you think you should rip it off mm-hmm. and then, and then not want to give them some credit, like as we did with all the people we referenced today. You know, I don't want to, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm, I've got David Lesky's thoughts. I agree with him on some things. I don't agree with him on other things, but I think he's a good writer. And I think that you should support him so that he will continue to write. So I can continue to not plagiarize his ideas and cite them properly. Yeah. And we are, yeah, I just can't, I can't imagine being the person to plagiarize to that level that those, um, or to honestly, to any level, what, what am I talking yeah. about? And I think in some of the in some of the black and whiteness of sports, I think I've that's where I've worried about, um, you know, being accused of plagiarism and things like that, um, because like there's only so many ways that you can frame stats. There's only yeah. so many ways that you can say, you know, this is how many homers RBI and things like that that they had. So that's where I've more worried about it. But yeah, if you actually form your own opinions and come to your own include conclusions and be your be independent it's pretty hard to plagiarize and and that's kind of the one of my takeaways from the video is that all the people he talks about that are plagiarizing aren't people who are doing video essays because they love doing video essays because they want to talk about their opinions they're people who want to make money yeah that's all that they care about and and that's the difference between someone who does video essays to make money and someone who does does video essays because they want to and would like to make money. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, hey, sorry, we were we were actually dishing on that for a little longer than I was expecting. Yeah, sorry about that. No, no, you're you're good. You are you're just fine. I think that's a, a great conversation to have because that's not something that we think about very often. And you would be you would be surprised of how many sports sites out there are you know fringe plagiarizing work. Well, and, and how many are straight plagiarizing? This this yeah. AI website that you were talking about, not the first one that has completely ripped off our work uh, over at Royals Review. That that was the first time that I heard about it, but that was whew. it's at least the third one I've heard about. Wow, and that's just that's just with AI. That's not including the humans who sit down at a keyboard and go, "Hey, I'm gonna gonna take this work." and yeah, uh and exactly. repackage it a little bit exactly my review for this week is a a little bit more what's what's the word simple i guess you you go from a a four hour long video about plagiarism in youtube <laughs> i raise you a plate of spam eggs and rice um have you not had that before 
I've had fried rice with eggs, and I haven't actually had spam in it, but I know spam is a popular fried rice ingredient. Yeah, so it is, it's something that I didn't, like, grow up with, um, but spam, eggs, and rice is more I of a... this was going to be a metaphor for something. <laughs> no, like, no, no. literally talking about spam, eggs, and rice. Yeah, no, it's it's kind of a, it's a dish or a plate that has some Pacific links um, because those sense. are all very, you know, affordable ingredients and they give you enough for, you know, a hearty dinner and things like that. I introduced it to my wife last night. Um, basically, all you do is you just cut up the, the thing of spam into some thick slices. You, you fry it up, you render off that fat, make up some good rice. And I like mine with a sunny side up egg. And it's it's a nice, simple meal. It's very hearty. It was pretty cold, so that was a good hot meal to have. Got my first snowflakes today. Yeah, of the season. Dang, very exciting. That is wild. I thought it was cold here. Goodness. Um, but if you're looking for a new a new dish out there, just to say that you tried it, I would definitely go uh, go to the store and uh, get some spam. Are you, are you trying to stop me from eating spaghetti for the sixth night in a row? Maybe, maybe Jeremy. I have been watching. You can't. You can't. <laughs> No one can. <laughs> Only you can. No one can, can stop me. <laughs> Only I you can stop me. <laughs> oh my gosh. So the I didn't I'm I'm gonna make us take way longer. That's and fine. if you're That's tired fine. of me, you, you can turn it off now. Nothing else important is going to be said for the rest <laughs> of this podcast. Uh the reason I posted on Blue Sky this morning was because I was like, I need to tweet about i need to start posting on blue sky so i'm gonna start trying to remember like when i tweet some random thought on twitter i'm gonna post it on blue sky too and i was like all right well what's a random thought i want to tweet and uh so this morning i tweeted both on twitter and on blue sky uh that my apartment smells like burned sherry (laughs) and that's because last night i tried to make some sherried carrots to go with my dinner and I don't know how many of y'all have had sherried carrots. One of my favorite side dishes. Really easy to make. You take some carrots, you put them in a pot with some butter, some sherry, some water, maybe some parsley, a little bit of sugar. And you don't have to do anything to it. You're just like, it's in a pot. You set it, you turn it on the stove, you bring it to a boil. Then you simmer it for 20 minutes covered, simmer it for 20 minutes uncovered. Done. Sherried carrots. Very tasty. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. You know how I said simmering? Yeah. You don't simmer usually at high. No, uh, no, you don't actually. No. So I, I left my stove on high for the simmering section. No. And then I wasn't paying attention and uh the the the, the all the water and 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 sherry evaporated and butter evaporated and, and just burned carrots and burned caramelized sugar and sherry um and and smoke just everywhere um it was it was was a time (laughs) oh i bet your neighbors loved that smell didn't they i you know i they probably would have been upset if i had any my apartment complex is empty i do not know what's going on i don't know if i'm like yeah, you shouldn't actually live here. We're all escaping before, like, the alien, like, <laughs> take this whole place out of here, like, just with an apple cart, just, like, scoop it up. Uh, or uh, maybe you do that with an ice cream scoop instead of an apple core. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You, you, with some sort of scooping device, probably. Uh, but, yeah, I, I I don't have many neighbors right now. Dang. Oh, it's tough out there. But hey, just remember if, if you're having a bad time out there, remember you can't have a bad as bad of a time as Bob Nightingale, who literally it was one minute before news broke of the Juan Soto trade, he tweeted out criticism of um Aaron Hicks and or sorry, Hicks and Boone, the the Yankees leadership. He was like, So and so has left the winter meetings and heading to the Nashville airport with no trade or Juan Soto deal in place. He sounds like a Royals fan on trade deadline day. Yeesh. Yep, just, gotta, just gotta wait it out, Bob. Have some faith. Have some faith. Oh, well, Bob. What would we do without him? 
I, have a shorter podcast. What would you we, do without me? We would a much shorter podcast. I don't think I would have a podcast without you, Jeremy. I think that's a <laughs> that's what a co-host is. <laughs> oh man! Hey, listen, listen of a long podcast. It's just because we're once a week now coming out, recording on Wednesday nights, releasing Thursday mornings. Um, we for the time being, we're gonna be like that until you know spring training stuff starts ramping up a little bit more, hopefully. But for now, you just have to hear us for about an hour every week. If when, excuse me, when the Royals sign Eduardo Rodriguez, oh my gosh, I will record a solo podcast that's just me, just Man. screaming and dancing. Only can't see the dancing because it's a podcast. Oh no, we that will go straight to YouTube, friend. Straight to YouTube, where it will be copyright claimed into oblivion. <laughs> Yep, sounds about right. All right, everyone. We're going to go ahead and get on out of here. If you want to keep up with our antics, you can do so on X. Find our handles and such down in the podcast description below. Please go follow the rest of the work on RoyalsReview.com, where you can find them on social media as well, plus the great work from the team over there. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining me tonight. It was great to talk to you again. Or or excuse me not for everyone to everyone out there thank you so much for listening thank you for your continued support and until next time go royals